I must say, listeners, that Andrew Friedman is probably one of my best favorite people in the whole world, even though we only get to talk to each other once a year when he does his trends report. Um, Andrew, you've been doing this for a long time. This is your sweet 16. Yes. Can you believe it? And it's, you're one of my favorite people to chat with, too, every year. I look forward to this, this uh, hour, you know, when, as, as we're writing the report. I'm like, oh, I can't wait. I know, I know we're going to talk again. <laughs> I look forward to it. Um, well, are we back to normal yet in terms of um, food trends, or is this it? You know, I'd say that uh, – how about the new normal? Um, I think would be the way to phrase it. I think, you know, we're definitely, the, this year's report was definitely quote unquote post COVID, even though mm-hmm. everybody's still getting COVID. So I think it's, I think it's just part of our culture and our life now, just like the flu, like people are going to continue to get COVID and it's part of our life. But I'd say yeah. that the, this is like a post pandemic report, if you will, which is the first one that, you know, we've done last year, we were calling it a little bit post pandemic, but it really wasn't. So, you know, what the impact of what, you know, the last three years has been, have been like for all of us, you know, really set some of the trends for this year. Right. Now, um, there are a lot of these trends reports out there, but um, I stopped reading them because they seem to be in cahoots with each other. Like you get your color of the year and it's peach fuzz, and yeah. then you get, and then you get the, whatever the delivery company is, and and the trend is peach flavor. I mean, it yeah. just seems to be all intertwined. Now you go in your own line. What we do? Why yeah, don't like you lead us like, through? What should we, we be paying have, attention to? We didn't have any peach in our report. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, you know, I think I think because we're coming with the eye from you know basically the hospitality business, the hospitality you know restaurants, hotels, and what I always say is you know um, products that make people happy. You know, and if you're especially if you love food and wine and all that, so I think yeah. we're we are looking at it with a different lens um, for yeah, sure. And our trends, your trends, actually. Um, let's let's just make sure we get A S and Co is your company. And and, uh, and you, hmm? yeah, and it's a. It's I have two companies now, and this is a joint report, so it's AFP exactly. and Carbonate, and, yeah, and Carbonate, yeah, which seems to be growing and doing well too. Carbonate, yeah, it's really exciting. We launched about two months before the pandemic. Talk about timing, and uh, it's really grown, and we're getting to work on very exciting brand projects all over the country, and. Uh, Candace, my partner there, is just doing, you know, absolutely incredible things to build her team. So, and, and actually the lead strategist on this report uh, is on the Carbonate team. She was on the APCO team at one point, and now she's on the Carbonate team. But I have to give her a shout-out, Lisa Steele, because this report would not happen without her. She is amazing. So um, uh, well, she great. keeps us all on. Yeah. So now um, how, how do you determine this? You must have endless meetings to come yeah. up with this list. I always say it's like the big whiteboard, and, you know, a, a, like the virtually big whiteboard. We stick them up there and we see if they're going to stick. You know, um, we have what we call in the modern technology, we have a Slack channel where everybody is allowed to drop in anything that they're seeing. Um, uh-huh. through, we're already doing it for next year. Um, and then as the year progresses and as 
we're seeing new things or we're vetting whether or not it's real. That's release is really good. She'll say, no, I think this is going to be a pop-up fad. This, I don't know if this is going <laughs> to trend. I mean, some of the stuff in our report, by the way, might, might indeed be our, it's also our, you know, estimation that this is trending. And some of the things have already happened and we're just seeing that they've really, you know, become, like the, the point has tipped and now they're part of the, the culture so of our world. But I'd say that we end up, probably in the range of about 100 that we whittled down to what you see in the report. Now, what what do you think um, is, like, the most earth-shattering well, <laughs> item I, of the trend? Yeah. So it's interesting. I would say that not earth-shattering but very encouraging is this cross, you know, the trend of the year, which is cross-cultural cooking. Um, which, you know, if you really think about, you know, growing up in food like we did, or there was always like the one Italian restaurant, the one Chinese restaurant, the one Greek restaurant, and, <laughs> you know I mean? and, um, and every, you know, and now because these, um, these young chefs or the chefs coming up, they've come, they're American, but they've come from cross-cultural backgrounds, mm-hmm. you know, um, so they understand, like, the, at least in their own restaurants or in restaurants that they're working at, they're, they're able to have an expression of, that cultural you know upbringing or the food that their that their moms taught them about or their you know their dads taught them about and this isn't i I always say this is not we're not going to do away with french and italian and all of that that's not the case this is that now there is an opportunity to really be your like to bring your authentic um upbringing to restaurants and we saw some really great examples you know that we cited about you know it said this, this, you know, we're cooking from our experiences, not our ethnicities, because I think there was sort of sense if I'm French, then I got to cook French. If I'm Italian, then I got to cook Italian. And uh-huh. and so it's been a really pleasant, tre- uh, pleasant trend that's definitely resonated. Well, you know, we um, we interviewed um, a guy from Warsaw um, who wrote a book about um, Polish vegetarian not yeah. quite vegan yeah and um it, it resonated with us because i thought one of the most unusual things about the, the town we live in pittsburgh is that we had a vegan polish restaurant and it turns out that talking to him that that's a big trend in poland among the young people yeah vegan yeah, and vegetarian was, yeah i was but, i was I was watching an interview yesterday with uh, the woman who founded Slutty Vegan. Um, uh-huh. She's now like a billionaire from it. And uh, you know, I, think, I think vegan's been on our report for many years and plant-based and all that. that that's exactly what I mean. That's now part of our culture. You know, mm-hmm. the, uh, have to have great vegetarian items, uh, uh, non-alcoholic cocktails. This is now just not the way that these, these individual people are eating, it's the way we all eat, you know? Um, right. And so um, if, you're, if you're not doing something, you know, interesting in those categories, then you're missing out because it's not just for vegans, not just for vegans and non-alcoholic cocktails are just not for the people that choose not to drink. It's just that some nights you don't want to have a cocktail. You just want to have something, but you don't want it to be, you know, a, a, a crappy, you know, fruit juice and... Yeah, no, no, I don't... I, yeah. I understand yeah. that, but I still, yeah. um, it, it's like people who drink non-alcoholic beer out of a can. 
I shouldn't say that. The real interesting thing about this Polish vegetarian thing is that for, I mean, for almost forever, Poland has looked to the West for inspiration. In this book, there are all these Eastern influences, which is, I think it's a game changer for Poland. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so I think, you know, along those lines, you know, people, you know, the last three years we've been, uh, our food our food of the year or our cuisine of the year has been, you know, something Asian-inspired, Filipino, um, Chinese one year, and this year we, we chose Korean. And mm-hmm. I think, again, it's, I think part of that is because, you know, again, people naturally just, when they think of Korean, they might think of Korean barbecue or street food, but the, Korea is a big country and it's regional and there's fine yeah. dining. And so, you know, uh, um, some of the, a couple of the restaurants this year, the Michelin Guide, you know, had four times as many Korean restaurants on, this, on their current uh, list than they had in, in the past. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you can just, um, what I love about that is that I think um, generationally, the younger generations are definitely more exploratory when it comes to learning more about where food comes from and what the historical data is. We just opened up an Indian restaurant here in the Bay Area that's really an exploration of the regions, the regional Indian. Like, it's not just, you know, the, like, it was, like I said earlier, there was always, like, the one Indian restaurant everybody went to, and they didn't yeah, know, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, it's, a, it's a really pleasant trend. Um, yeah. No, then, no but the people are discovering these new products, too, food products. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't know... Um, uh, that has to be limited by where you live because you can't get all of these things. Yeah. Well, now with online, you, like with online ordering, you can. Like, you know, you mm-hmm. have to find the right website and, um, and do that. But, I, you know, again, I just, you know, it's really fun. Like, every, like our dessert of the year is um, pavlova or eaten mess. And, you know, again, we, there's always an ooey-gooey delicious dessert on the list. And least You're so saying good. pavlova is a trend? Yes, it's the uh, it's our dessert of the year. Um, I, you know, I, I, I many, you know, we lived in Australia, and I had this fabulous recipe for pavlova, which was spectacular. Uh, and you know, once I left Australia, I, I could never make the recipe work. <laughs> and, and finally, we had a visit from somebody. Uh, whose husband's recipe it was in Australia, and she uh-huh. couldn't make it work. I mean, one of my lunch guests said that was the only um, dessert she ever had to eat with a steak knife. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, this was all about, um, um, what do you call it, humidity and things like that. Yeah, the pavlova is, you know, it's, um, for restaurants, it's, you know, because labor has been an issue, too. You can make a big batch of it and then serve it. So it doesn't, it's, it's a little um, less labor intensive, but it's also just, you know, who wouldn't want, you know, meringue and fresh cream and, yeah fruit, you know, it's just a really fresh dessert. So um, I was really excited about it because then everybody, then, of course, you, you, you call it and then you start to do the research about where it's being served and how it's being served. And we were finding, you know, 
uh, corn pavlovas, you know, with, uh, cam- with chamomile cream and blueberries. And so, again, mm-hmm. like, just do, you know, just take these dishes and they do their own takes on it. And that's what I think is so much fun about our, our world, you know. Now, um, what, what do you do about the strange dilemma when, when in Australia you eat pavlova, but in England you, you indulge in a thing called the eaten mess? Yeah, we call it, we call it, you know, just so you know, it's, uh, it's pavlova slash eaten mess in our report. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Good, good. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, what is the most startling trend to you? Well, you know, it's funny. I would say that the, um, the concept of where cocktails are going right now is very, very uh, I wouldn't say startling might be a big word, but I would say that, you know, we've seen the use of a lot of culinary ingredients in cocktails, meat, yeah. and, you know, um, we are, you know, we call the Cabrese Martini um, as the drink of the year, you know, and it's, again, it's the tomato water and the infusion of um, just savory flavors into cocktails, mm-hmm. and it's all playing into this full item utilization in restaurants where, scraps from the kitchen end up on at the bar and they're making cocktails with them. Um, yeah. I, I always love the fact that every year cocktails remain interesting. The, the, clar- the clarification process of cocktails, so you can have an espresso martini now that looks completely clear, mm-hmm. and the clarification process adds a richness and flavor that I think, um, you know, has been pretty fun. So we definitely saw, that, you know, the culinary cocktails were, were you know, were really um, yeah, that's been going. Yeah, um, yeah. The the other thing is, I I asked for a review copy of this book, the Book of Ice, and I haven't got it yet. But uh, that's a whole other uh, development. Is this uh, all this? I mean, you can't just have one ice maker anymore if you're a, yeah, a, yeah. a cocktail lounge or a restaurant. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. There was a definite high, like. Um, a high-end, low-end kind of uh, report. You know, the value for the money is, like, I'll say value for the money after the pandemic is really very true. It's not like that people are looking for discounts, but they want to know if they're going to spend the money, they're going to get value for it right, at, at any mm-hmm. level, right? Um, but there is that, that little sense of, like, indulgence. So, like, we called, you know, the fact that uni continues to rise in popularity and now chefs are literally offering for, you know, for... Um, for supplemental, you can put uni on anything. You know, it's sort yeah. of like it, caviar went to uni, if you will. You know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, I, I, I'm going back to like what do we see is the most startling. But um, you know, I, every year there's always something ooey and gooey. I'd say buckwheat. You know, is an ingredient um, people wouldn't necessarily think of it. Oh, and one of the most fun ones was pop rocks. Or do you remember pop rocks? The candy. Oh shoot! I saw yeah. that somewhere that they used yeah. it to finish a dessert. Yeah, and now they're using it in savory dishes. So that's what. Um, so this whole concept of oh, that's right. Know, just, that, that was savory. Yeah. That was that was yeah. a finishing yeah. garnish on a savory dish. I read about. Yeah, Weird. and that's really fun. Because, you know, you think about us like growing up there with those little packets that you throw in your mouth and you just let them go crazy. Well, yeah. you know what. So <laughs> we, 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 Redefining the term that we all use of a flavor explosion in your mouth, right? Because um, you're really getting this crackling, delicious sensation of uh, of just. So I think there's a little more, you know, bluntly magic and fun 
in, in that's come out of the report. Like, you know, there's also this play of, like, saving the earth, saving the environment, you know. So ingredients like algae are, you know, being uh, brought into the fold, you know. You know, obviously uh, dark sea salts and ca- candies being made with ingredients from the sea. So, you know, I think, I think, I think like I said, what I, I feel like the pandemic did is it sort of said, you know, it's okay to break the rule. Uh, <laughs> it could be. Yeah, and, and that was... You know, a, a lot of this, uh, you know, everybody said, well, you know, seaweed is like on the big rise and so forth. I mean, I have uh, some really wonderful seaweed. I mean, not yeah. not the, but I also, when they try making it into some other dishes... I mean, like seaweed cookies. I mean, just, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I don't think that works. Uh, you know, it's really, it's really um, what I love about our business, and even through the highs and lows. Like, if you're, if you want to, you can find something that appeals to just about anybody in the restaurant business. And if you want to be adventurous, there's restaurants mm-hmm. where you can. If you want to be safe, there's restaurants you can be safe. You know, um, and so I think um, that's what that's what that's what I love about what we do. You know, it's um, you know I'd say that you know um, the, I think the uh, if I got out of just the food for a minute and I talked about some of the general trends of hotels and restaurants, a lot of it is around um, what we call split personalities. Um, the 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 environment of where some of these restaurants were left or where some of these hotels were left was that. They weren't busy as busy as they were pre-pandemic, so we're encouraging them to rethink how they're doing things and maybe go from counter service to seated service or maybe introduce mm-hmm. a late music component or take a piece of the restaurant and turn it into something else, like a listening bar where you can have great music and vinyl records. So we're just saying, like, like again, break the rules. Like, um well, you know, what do you have to lose? You might have to make a little investment in it, but sometimes you already have the space, you're paying the rent, and so, you know, rethink your offerings to just, you know, continue to be more interesting. Um, you know, I think that's, um, and then you probably have heard a lot about this, but the explosion of collaboration. Oh, yeah, you know, what, lots of yeah, it, yeah. I, yeah, that, that's, the, honestly, I'd say that's the most exciting trend of the year. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, um, the fact that people are coll- what we call collabs, you know, but it could either be chefs, you know, popping up in other, other, other chefs' restaurants. It could be yeah. partnerships with ice cream brands or um, just about anything, right? And some of them are celebrity-driven if you have the budget to do that, and others are just like chefs' friends that are coming. Like um, Charter Oak here in Napa, uh, Chris Kostow does this uh, series called Potluck, and he brings uh-huh. in his chef friends to potluck dinners. Um, and so, you know, what, why, why are those so beautiful and, and great is because they're also great marketing. You're getting, you're sharing your list. You're both marketing it. Uh, each restaurant is getting new followers and new interests. Um, if you're collabing with, we do, um, like for instance, we have a chocolate company here called Cho and we do collaborations with like our local, um, brewery so that we do uh, chocolate infused with hops and then okay. they sell it we sell it in you know on uh, in our in, in our retail shops, and so there's just I think it's I think it's the uh, pandemic has pushed our creativity into places we might not not have gone before because we didn't have to. 
Yeah, I mean, no, collaborations, I think, is a big trend. I mean, it's um, chefs cooking in other people's kitchens. It's um, collaborating on products like the Spice People work with different other entities to develop new blends of things. They're all collaborations, yeah. yeah um, and I think know, that's exciting. Yeah, that's really – and, you know, I think some other fun things were, like, you know, in the past on the design side, because this is what carbonate files – this is the peach trend, if you will, uh, and but it's, it's maxim, being more max, maximalist, like going – like colors are back, and lots of furniture is back, whereas, like, you know, we went through our sleek phase where – it was very minimal dining rooms and very minimal. Well, I think we're all just, we got, everybody's got cabin fever, and now we want to go, we want to be comfortable, and we want to have, like, we want sense of color and adventure. And, and so I think a lot of the designs we're seeing is that that's back, and I love it because I, I always felt that uh, like too much beige is too much beige. <laughs> well, see, I mean, <laughs> I, the peach is the color of your peach sauce. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Um, uh, now, now, um, what about? I mean, the the restaurants. I I see two sides of everything. Um, the, you see the part where um, there's more individual takes on different cuisines, but I see another part of it is restaurants opening are very cautious. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think they have to be because they don't know. Well, first of all, the, the, the expense of running a restaurant, it's just, even with all the new technology tools, one of the things that, a positive thing that the pandemic did is that, you know, it pushed technology, it pushed AI. AI is very interesting right now and how that's going to play into the restaurant business. I think we're just at the tip of, of that whole thing right now. But I think they're being cautious primarily because um, they don't have as much of an investment to play with. They don't have... They don't have the marketing budget that they did. So there's a cautious nature to um, – you're, you're definitely seeing smaller um, menus. Um, you're oh, seeing, yeah, you know, lots of small – yeah, very small yeah. menus. Uh, there's a lot of people that have introduced these uh, high-value – like, again, value price mix options. Um, that was on our trend report last year, but it's definitely stuck, you know, where, um, you know, you can spend 45 or 50 for a three-course meal. And while it sounds like – how are they doing it? They're doing it because they know everybody's going to eat this. This is what they're going to eat so that they yeah. can control their ordering. They can, they can right. control their, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, every, every chef that I talk to complains about um, everybody wanting to customize everything. And he's yeah. never seen so many people supposedly with allergies in his life. Yeah. 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 Everybody really, has allergies very difficult to deal with that so much so that like a lot of us now you know they have to let us know in advance because again the chefs have less staff to worry about how to manage all this and mm-hmm. they also don't write ingredients so you know encourage like really encouraging people to let you know about any sort of allergies or dietary restrictions in advance of your visit so the chef can plan for it i think is really really important right now yeah, because I mean, a lot of these people, they don't have allergies. They maybe don't like it, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, like people like, you know, who are allergic to garlic. I mean, please. <laughs> but I've seen that really just drives me nuts is that they won't, tell, they won't have it until they get to the restaurant. <laughs> You're then, right. 
you know, and then they'll see something that they like that somebody who might have pre-ordered a, a dietary allergy gets this dish, and all of a sudden they're now the they have the same allergy. Um, and uh, you know, here's you know, some of the restaurants are also saying no now, which I think you know is counterproductive to like the way we've all been trained in the restaurant business. But you know, they just don't have the the bandwidth to handle everything. So. There are restaurants that say, unfortunately, we can't accommodate dietary restrictions because of the style of the restaurant or what's happening. And I, you know, listen, the way I look at it is like, as long as you let people know up front, then, you know, you may lose a couple customers, but you're also going to be, it's going to, it's, it's going to be less stressful for the kitchen. Well, do you mention in your report um, the changes in restaurants and hotels and bars due to the labor shortage? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, again, like, it's, it, you can either look at it like as a, you know, a, a really pain point or something that you can get creative with. Um, and I think, you know, like, I, for instance, I think some of these restaurants that are going from counter service to full service in the evening, um, you know, it, it's okay because people at lunch tend to want to be quick, right? Um, and so, uh, and then, you know, we had one restaurant open that tried that, and then they're their customers are like, no, we want, you know, we want to be served at lunch. So, you know, I think a little of this is like just going with the flow, you know, and seeing how – that's why I think the cautious nature comes in because, like, we don't know what we don't know, right? And the dining yeah. habits have changed and, you know, the economy, the crazy world with our politics right now. Like, there's just so much volatility, you know, in the market that I think – we're all like one eye open, one eye, you know, like one eye closed, mm -hmm. and you know, just sort of like, is another ball going to drop? Like, how, what's that going to look like for us? Um, and you know, it's 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 you know, it's sad in a way because you know, it does maybe curtail some creativity, but I think you mm -hmm. know, we're dealing with it because that's what we have to deal with. Yeah. So, um, hotels. What what differences do you see with hotels? Well, there are definitely I, one of the fun trends that we had in the hotel report, which you know I really loved, was um, that hotels are now being used by non-hotel guests, um, and they're actually encouraging it um, with um, you know, which I think was really fun. Um, so, in other words, you can almost maybe even potentially buy a membership at, to use the hotel for co-working, to use the bar, to use um, oh, yeah. the of the hotel and it's being geared towards the local audience because, um, you know, they may not be as busy as they were or they might have space. So um, we call that it's not just about the room. So it's, um, there's a program being created for hotels that it's about the locals just using the hotels as social spaces. And um, one of the uh, hotels has uh, a program called the disloyalty program because, you know, the hotels are all about loyalty. Um, and this is about disloyalty because we're not asking you to uh, points and miles and all that. We just want you to come and have a good time. Um, <laughs> I thought that was interesting. I mean, a fun that one. That sounds cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and travel, I mean, airlines, I don't know how much more they can shrink the space between seats. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, I think, I, I mean, I think we're just in this um, place of like, the comeback, and I think things will settle in. Um, and I think the airlines are going to have to get, like I found out that people are not going home to Australia this year because 
they 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 just couldn't afford to, you know, for right. their vacation, and um, and that makes it just a little sad, right? Because but I also understand business is business, and you know the the hard part about the world right now, hotels uh, and especially airlines, is that they they make their money when they know they can make it, even if yeah. it's at the expense of the customer that might be a loyal customer that you should not be gouging over the holidays just because you can. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, so I think that, um, I think I, I'm, my hope is that that'll settle in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I yeah, mean, one, I other mean really, one really, what fun really other uh, hotel trend is what we call bed and bud. It's the cannabis, um, cause cannabis is becoming legal in so many States now, um, that there's actually, um, hotels that are catering to that market with floors that are dedicated to, you know, um, uh, getting pot and um, cannabis deliveries to the hotel. They have partnerships. They have uh, lounges and salons and product oh, yeah. I think there's a. I think it's a big market. Again, limited, but it's a you know, big market. And then you asked me about <laughs> one of the real fun hotels. Right? This rise Wait. of pickleball has gotten crazy. <laughs> Wait, um, I wish they we stayed at a hotel in Portland, Oregon once. Uh, the rooms came with earplugs and uh, condoms. <laughs> well, that's good to know, right? No, 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 um, we, we, crea- we, we, crea- we, we created a record for the shortest possible stay. <laughs> I mean, you really needed the earplugs. I, mean, I, yeah. I will tell you, there's not a hotel out there now, like a luxury hotel that doesn't have what they call the intimacy kit. Uh-huh. Um, so again, you know, and you know why they do it? It's a partnership with some condom company or some, you know, um, it's, they're all like, again, it's all brand positioning. Right. Um, and so, um, you know, it's interesting, but I, you know, again, for me, it's, this is what makes my job fun as a marketer. Cause I'm always looking at like, okay, who can we collab with now? Um, uh-huh. you know, we're opening, we're opening a, a beautiful new hot springs resort in, um, near Temecula in California uh, coming uh-huh. up in February, a myriad of hot springs. And that's another trend that we're seeing, that um, health and wellness that was always Oh, yeah, that's been going here yeah, for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Now it seems to be a social trend, which is so interesting. So these hot springs are not meant to be enjoyed just by yourself. They're meant to be enjoyed in a social setting. Um, mm. You know, there are hot pools and cold pools and, so it's um, – and that, uh, why is that popular right now? Because we've all, you know, like this quest for togetherness after, uh-huh. you know, not being together is feeling yeah. uh, a lot of the trends. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Andrew, is there some place um, on, on the Internet where – because I was looking and couldn't find a way of something I could download of your trends yeah. reported. Yeah. Yes. Where do you get it? The Carbonate website, it's www.carbonate, like, just like the word group, carbonategroup.com, and there's a link on that website to download the report. Okay. I got on Carbonate, but I didn't get the group. All right. Yeah. Come on. Well, as, as always, I, I love talking to you, yeah. and I, can't, I don't understand why we don't talk more often. <laughs> well, we country from each other, but, you know, I certainly know that if I came to Pittsburgh again, I would definitely be seeing 
Um, and, um, and, you know, and I think, it's, you know, it's, it, listen, the way I look at it is, it, is it, it gives me that we have a, it's a lovely anniversary that we've had for many years. <laughs> <laughs> True. And, and you're my, long, you're my longest term relationship. Really? <laughs> I don't know that we'll go into that one. <laughs> oh, Andrew. I, I, can be, I, can be, I can beat you by 40 years. <laughs> oh, Andrew. All right, well, um, continue doing all the great stuff that you do, and, um, and, 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 and I hope to talk to you soon. Let me know if there's something else you want to talk about. We can actually talk yeah. twice a year. Yeah, and also, um, you know, I'd love to share the, your this uh, program with our our list too. So just send me the link or whatever I can sure. uh, put out there sure. as well. Okay, will do. All right. Okay, well, great thank you again. <laughs> okay, have a great holiday, and we'll you see too. You soon. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net.